Mental Health Warriors. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I'm, I'm super excited today. Uh, as you guys know, if you watch some of my past podcasts, uh, my older brother is a, is a marathon. He's, he runs eight to 10 marathons a year. And, you know, I'm big on Instagram, had Ron Dawson on. He was a marathoner and a triathlete. And I became came Instagram friends with Matt underscore B underscore running. And he's really an awesome runner. And, and I'm so happy and proud to have him on my podcast today and, and to talk about you know, to me, I'm, I'm not going to say what he ran the Boston Marathon in, but I want him to, to, to say his time because I think it's, it's pretty awesome. And he was he was flat booking out there. Um, but I really want him to, to come on and, and get to know. Let's let's all get to know who Matt B running is and what he does and what motivates him to run. You know, it's getting warmer outside. Uh, people going out and doing more as COVID restrictions come down. They're able to, to go out and do things and maybe you've decided that you wanted to, you know, get into running and start running. Um, it's very important to always uh, talk with your doctor prior to starting any physical activity uh, regimen, just to make sure you're all okay and thumbs up. And uh, when with that, Matt, I want to say hi, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast of Mental Health Warrior. And uh, really, uh, I just want to get to, to know Matt B. Running, as anybody can, you can follow him on Instagram. He does he does awesome, great videos. I, I don't see how you don't trip while you're running with the GoPro. <laughs> but uh, with that, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you. <laughs> Cliff, thank you so much. I am really happy to be here. I'm, you know, I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be on your podcast. You, you do great work. And as far as tripping, when I have a GoPro, I have tripped more times than I can count. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't put that footage out there. Well, you, when, should, uh, you should do like an outtake of Matt's tripping outtakes, and <laughs> yeah, I've uh, yeah, I've I've had some I've had some pretty bad injuries from from tripping. Not always when filming. Usually, you know, usually just through sheer yeah. clumsiness. But um, you know, you know, and we can talk about the, the the running. But you know, when you run on streets or sidewalks, or you know, I don't I don't run on a track. I I have a path in Virginia. I run. Um, and you know, you always got to watch out for potholes. Um, you know debris in the in a way you run and things like that and in missouri when i go with my brother you know they run in you know around springfield missouri and it's always you know sidewalks and you switch to pavement and you know there's a couple of times you know i've twisted my ankle there was a guy in his running group that face planted you know running so it, it can be very uh, treacherous out there while you're out there jogging around it, not, before you even think about dodging cars <laughs> yeah it, it really can um so last year, before the Boston Marathon, the Boston Marathon was in October in 2021. And I was supposed to go. I was registered. And I was out for a long run one morning. And it was, it was pitch black, um, no moon, like four in the morning, getting my run done before work. And I was running on the sidewalk. And some tree roots had come under and kind of pushed up oh, one yeah. of the uh, expansion joints. And I didn't see it, and I tripped. When I went down, I stood on the side of the sidewalk, which rolled my ankle, and I ended up uh, twisting my ankle, which stopped me from running the 2021 Boston Marathon. Yeah. So it's pretty close in time to me, uh, you know, tripping and really hurting myself. You know, uh, and that's one but, thing, you know, and I've rolled my ankle over, you know, sometimes breaking your ankle, you can heal faster than if you do a hard, you know, if you, if you do a completely rollover, I mean, it can take a long, long time for that to heal, especially if you really yeah. stretch out those tendons and things in your ankle. It's yeah, like, when those tendons tear, it's uh, it wasn't pretty. Like my whole foot was black and blue. You can probably see a picture if you scroll back through my stuff on Instagram. I made sure to to, to get the mileage out of that uh, <laughs> out of that injury. But I mean, okay, so I want to talk about that. So 
how how you're what a week from starting the Boston Marathon? How, what was the time frame when you sprained your ankle? Oh no, it was a little ways out. It was probably um, you know what? It was about five and a half weeks because when I went to my orthopedic surgeon, he said, "All right, no running for six weeks." Wow. And I came back to him. I was like, "Oh, all right, well, look, I, I get it. No running for six weeks, but the Boston Marathon is in five and a half weeks. Do you think we can?" you know, jump right back in to running a marathon. And he was like, absolutely not. Yeah. So immediately I was like, I, I know I have to take the time and heal. But his whole thing was, you can't heal and then jump right back into full on race mode. So yes. I had the, the doctors, you know, nixing that race. And yeah. luckily I had, um, I bought insurance that year because the Boston Marathon actually, I don't know if they're going to moving forward, but they actually make you have insurance. So if for some reason you can't go because of COVID, you can get that uh, refunded. So oh. because my doctor said, no, I couldn't run, I actually got the race um, reimbursed. So it wasn't, wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> but I mean, mentally, I mean, because, you know, to run a marathon, it takes a lot of training, right? And, and you, yeah. you are a very good runner. And, and you are uh, you're probably close to elite athlete as I've ever known one. Um, but mentally, when you twisted your ankle and you got that news from the doctor, how did that uh, how did that affect you? Because that had to have an effect on you. Because here you are, five weeks out from the race, you're out for a, a run, you roll your ankle, and now you you can't run anymore. I mean that that had to be pretty uh, pretty you know devastating, upsetting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a tough. It is a tough thing. Um, and thank you. You know, it's very kind of you to say to use the word elite and me in the same <laughs> sentence. I am far from elite. I'm oh, you're, very, you're pretty close. At <laughs> the <laughs> well let's just agree to disagree okay I won't do you, you know what the funny thing is is that I, I always tell people people get tied up with how fast they're running and how long they run and I always tell people that listen no matter who you are there is always going to be someone faster than you on any given day even the fastest guy in the world you know there are several people like the fastest people in the world and on any given day any one of them could win yeah so you can't just you know can't just settle into it and think you know, oh, I wish I was faster. It's an individual journey. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's what we that's what we have to think about. Otherwise, we start comparing ourselves to others, yeah. which is another mental rabbit hole to go into, oh, which yeah. uh, we need yeah, to steer yeah. clear of. Uh, but yeah. as far as uh, being okay. injured, sorry, as far as being injured, and then you know, realizing that my goal wasn't going to be achieved, it's pretty devastating. Um, now I've been running for a little while. So, you know, about 14 years now, I've been running seriously. As When I say seriously, I mean like a recreational athlete. Like I enjoy running. I've been doing it yeah. on a regular basis for about 14 years. So in the past, I was affected by things like that a lot more than I was this time. Um, and there are several factors that go into me feeling that way. Okay. So the first thing was, it's obviously going to be disappointing. But I also realized that, you know what, this was going to be my 47th marathon. So it's not like it was my first or second or third, or I'm trying to run as fast as I've ever run. Right. Uh, it, was just, it was just another marathon. Mm -hmm. Now, it is the Boston Marathon, so it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like I had set, I had pinned all my hopes and dreams on this race. Right. It was something that I enjoyed doing, and I, I didn't get to do it. I was able to put it into perspective. Yeah. Now, I was also able to put it into perspective because 
in 2021, they moved the Boston Marathon from April, from April to October. Yeah. So I knew that the 2022 Boston Marathon was going to be back in April. So I didn't get to run in October, but I only had to wait six months until I got to do the Boston Marathon again. So that was a very, that was a way of justifying it to myself mm-hmm. to you know, make myself feel better. It's like, you know what, I do have time to heal and I can ramp back up. I can do a couple more races in between mm-hmm. and then I can just go and run the Boston Marathon in April you know, when it's uh, traditionally held. And generally speaking, the weather is better in April in Massachusetts than it is in October. Yes. October can be very hot. Yes. My wife's from Massachusetts originally, from Washington. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. You know, but you bring up a good perspective. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they have an injury or when they start feeling like you did, you were taking a negative and you, you taught yourself to turn that into a positive. And that's something for, for people, for, it's very hard for them to do that. Uh, you know, when something negative happens in their life to really look at it and try to turn it and make it a positive. I, I don't know if you, if you saw the post I did on Instagram, when I talked about my suicide attempt and, you know, yeah. sometimes you go back and I reflect, you know, about, you know, what would happen had I succeeded that. Right. And instead of, you know, dwelling on what got me to that point, I was really thinking about all the things that I've done since, since that attempt or since that day. And you think about all the positives and you brought up a really great point that, you were injured. You're not going to be able to race in the Boston Marathon. But you know, wait a second. This is Matt's 47th marathon. Okay, so it's just another marathon. It's Boston. And then you said something that was really great. You looked at the time. It's October, and six months from now, it's April, and then I'm, I'm going to race it. So really, it really didn't. I didn't have to dwell on it for a year. And I think that was a really good point that you brought up uh, and talked about. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I think it's um as far as like when we don't we don't get what we want. My wife often says this. She's like, when you don't get what you want, you change what you want. So, yeah, I I wasn't able to run the Boston Marathon. So, yeah, I I could sit around and feel bad about myself and twiddle my thumbs. Or I could just focus on something else. Because if if I'm honest, it's the training and the looking forward to an event that I enjoy more than the event. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that anticipation that that is the real benefit. So, yeah, it was it was disappointing. But, you know, it's not, you have to put it into perspective. I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't feed my family based on my running. Right. I do it for fun. I do it because it's something that I like to, sure. to chase. And sometimes I find that, you know, once you put it into perspective, it becomes a little more clear. And it's like, well, you know what? This isn't the end of the world. Yeah. And I can still do what I want. And you know what? Maybe something better will come out of this race. You know, so, yeah, it's a... I, I don't feel bad about it now, even looking back. It worked out quite well, especially because I was very happy with the April Boston Marathon that just that just occurred. It was beautiful weather. You know, was everyone was happy. Weather, yeah. It, yeah, it was a good time. It, it didn't rain, did it? Because we've had a lot of rain in Virginia. I don't, I don't think it rained during. No, it was blue sky. It was high forties. Oh, it was just it was just the most beautiful running weather. That's that's great. And so 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 everybody who doesn't know who doesn't follow Matt B running on Instagram, tell us what you ran the Boston Marathon in, and did you achieve your goal that you had set for yourself uh, for that race? Yes, or did I you did. overachieve? Um, well, yes, I I overachieved just a little bit. So I actually, uh, so about the week before I did the Boston Marathon, I looked into all of these race calculators using all different metrics. Mm-hmm. So I run with a couple of different watches couple different um things like i've got the stride foot pod and this Mm -hmm. measures my power so this was something else that gave me a predicted time i used some 
uh, popular online predicting tools. So I had a predictor anywhere from like 305 to 315, which is, which is quite a spread. Yeah. I then took into account that the Boston Marathon is quite hilly. Now it is a net downhill course, but it's, uh, it's quite hilly. There's a lot of uphills, especially around the, the 20 mile mark. Um, between 16 and 21 is generally uphill when you're in the Newton Hills. So I knew that that was going to take a lot out of me. So anyway, long story short, I made my goal three hours and 10 minutes. And I actually ran three hours, eight minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. So yes, I, I beat my goal and I was very happy with it. And I think I ran a good race, which is actually more satisfying than making the time. Yeah. So I could have run three hours and 11 minutes and I wouldn't have met my goal. But if, you, if you're strategizing right and you're putting in that effort, it's funny how the actual time becomes somewhat obsolete. You know, when you work hard towards something, that's the, that really is the satisfying thing. And I've had other races where I've been the same way. Yeah. Have you ran, have you ran a marathon in under three hours? Yes. Yeah. I haven't done it in a couple of years. Um, I've run. What's Boston your fastest twice, marathon? 251.59. Wow. But that was back in 2010 when I was yeah. a much younger man. 10 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, when, when you're in your early thirties, that's like the peak time, um, yeah. for marathoning. So yeah, I was, you know, I've, I've run under three. I think I do have another sub three in me. Uh, but the whole thing is, am I motivated enough to train to get to that sub three? And I've got to find the course that actually favors me running a sub three. Yeah. You so know, Boston you, may not be it at this stage. So for you, where you live, um, is it fairly flat where you live? So is it hard to find the big hills? To I mean, here in Virginia, I, I run the Army 10-miler. This would be my seventh one this year uh, yeah. that I run. But just like you were saying, on an Army 10-miler, on mile seven and eight, it, you're going uphill. And then you yeah. go downhill and you loop back around to the Pentagon. Um, but I can train. You know, I got some running trails that I do where it's hilly and some running trails that I do that it's not. You know, so I, I train on the hills when I need to. Or when I want to. And, and so if you're on a fairly flat land, like I used to live down at Fort Monroe, Virginia, and it was at sea level. And so there yeah. was no hills. I mean, it was flat. Um, and so when I would go and run, you know, it become difficult when you hit those hills. And I imagine that if, if where you live, I don't, it's not you, where you live is not very hilly, is it? No, it's very flat. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, so, um, so for, for my health, how training, do you train for that? I, it's, it's a good question. You have to find the hills and there aren't many naturally occurring hills in um, my area of Florida, like kind of Southwest Florida. Yeah. So uh, let's see, about once a week, I would head out to, there's a mall a couple miles from my house and um, there's a parking lot that has an incline and I would just run up and down that hill. Of course, we have a lot of bridges to get out to our barrier islands oh, yeah. and those are quite high so the sailboats can get under them. And so if I want real hill training, I will go out, I'll go to downtown Sarasota. There's a big bridge and I will just run back and forth over that bridge and you can actually get some good elevation by oh, running yeah. on the bridges yeah so it's a it's it's a good it's a good tool but you know i can't just leave the house and then find the hill i've right. got to specifically go and seek out these hills <laughs> and then and then just repeat it over and over again yeah it's, it's funny so when i go out and if i go if i go out of my house and i cross the highway and i go right to the running trail uh that one's more flat but then if i go left that's the hilly one and I, I did a video on Instagram a while back with the hill's pretty big that I go up and it, it probably goes on for maybe a half mile. The hill does going up. 
and yeah. you know i made a video of when i finally got back to running and i ran all the way up that hill and i was kind of proud of myself over the fact that you know before i had to stop before i made it to the top of the hill and then this happened to this day that i was able to run all the way up to the top of the hill and that was a little, so little big win for me it feels good right it feels like yeah, yeah it feels really good you know you, you set these goals and and running uphill I mean, no one's ever going to say that running uphill is easy. It's not easy. You're fighting gravity. Your heart rate's going through the roof. You know, oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's a big deal when you, you know, when you reach a goal like that. So, yeah, you know, good and, on you. And- you know, some some days my running partner, I got, I run with my dog. I got to have a boxer and and Falco, and he's great. And uh, some days he just doesn't feel it. He doesn't want to run. And uh, you know, I did a video on this. Is that you know, for with Falco, usually for the first mile and a half, he's sniffing and peeing and pooping and doing all the dog stuff. But as yeah. soon as we get to that point where I'm going to turn around and he knows we're going back home, he he's flat out running. He's done with yeah. all. He knows we're going home. <laughs> he knows it's going to end, and he all he wants to do is run. I'm like, Falco, you little, you little shit. You've been, you know, <laughs> you know, making me walk all over the place. And then all of a sudden you want to just want to run home and, and then we get home and then he wants to play ball for the next two hours. So it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite funny. It's, you know what, it's a, it's a funny thing that is actually, that ties into nicely with like human motivation as well, because mm-hmm. people will find that strength towards the end of an event. It, yeah. it doesn't matter what the distance is. You'll find people that are struggling to run a hundred miles, but then they're able to run the last mile to the finish. Yeah, uh, you know, because they know they they smell the bond. They're like, all right, let's pick it up and and run it in. You know, like I said, I, I don't. I gotta get a drink water here. My allergies are are killing me today. Mm. Oh, it's the same down here. It's it's mm-hmm. been a nightmare. In Virginia, it was really cool all all spring, and we've had a lot of rain, and then all of a sudden it started warming up, and it's like everything bloomed out at once. Uh, so it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, you, you were talking about, you know, towards the end of the race, you know, people get that motivation, they see the end and they want to get there. You know, my, my brother talks about, you know, when he's running a marathon, I'm sorry, my, my dog was barking. Um, yeah. You know, when he hit mile, I think he said it was 22 or, or 20 or 22 miles. That's really when you start hitting the wall and you kind of have to train yourself to, to get past that. If, if somebody's out there and they're having a hard time, with those miles in between there i think it's it's either probably 18 to 22 i imagine um you know what what things do you do to to get you over that oh just the that over that push to to get that race finished does that make sense to you it does make sense and there's a there's actually a pretty a pretty easy answer um and that you have to eat more so the reason that people run into that wall at between 18 miles and 20 miles is that they run out of glycogen. So typically the human body can run for about two hours um, at around marathon pace. Obviously it's different for everyone. For someone that runs a a four hour marathon, they're gonna, they could hit that wall at the halfway point. For elites, well, they're they're running around the two hour mark. So they don't have to worry too much about that running out of glycogen and hitting the wall. So, um, but you know, for, for an average runner, that's why the wall comes at around 18 to 20, sometimes 21, 22 because your body runs out of glycogen then it's hard to fuel for those miles now once you once your body runs out of glycogen it's very hard to pull it back like you've kind of you know you're not going to be able to run as well if you hit the wall you might be able to keep going you might be able to eat something and keep going but you won't be performing at your best so the best way to counter that is to fuel up until that point and then hopefully you won't run out of glycogen and you'll be able to run your race and finish strong so that's why people practice fueling in their training. That's why 
uh, when I ran the Boston Marathon, I used, I think, three, three gels. And each, each gel was 200 calories, no. 45 grams of carbohydrates. And I was taking that like know, every 45 minutes or so. Uh, and that kept me feeling really good. I never, although the Boston Marathon was very hard, I, there were points that were like down points where my legs were getting really heavy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a bit of a challenge. Keep an eye on my heart rate. I never felt like I was running out of energy. It was more like muscular fatigue. Yeah. So muscular fatigue is something that you can deal with a little more because your body isn't shutting down because it doesn't have the fuel to, to go. That's when it switches to a more mental component and you can kind of talk yourself into continuing. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, you know, I, I, I've never ran a marathon. Um, like I said, I do the army 10 miler and that's, that's the limit. I have a lot of injuries. Uh, but you know, I work around that and I, and I enjoy that. And, but, 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 you know, it, it's funny that, you know, when people think, you know, a marathon, somebody's going to train for a marathon, right. But it's amazing how many people think, oh, well, 10 miles, I can do 10 miles and they don't train for it. I, there was, um, in 20, what was it? 20, 2018, I think it was on the army 10 miler. No, 2017 that it was just hot. It, they run it in October. And it was just yeah. hot. It was really hot that day. It was uh, had gotten in the 80s, and they had so many people fall out with heat injuries. They had to actually uh, shorten the race because the hospitals filled up. There's 30 some odd thousand people that run the Army 10 Miler, and yeah, that's a big they, race. They had to, they had to shorten the race. I'd already finished by that time. What it had happened. But I, I'm thinking, you know, what are these people thinking? I mean, I, I when I came down around the the nine mile, you swoop through Crystal City. There were people laid out on the sidewalk that had passed out and people, you know, getting wow. first aid and all kinds. Of stuff. I'm thinking, what, yeah. what are these people, you know, thinking in, in their minds and not training or at least doing something properly to, 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 to think they could just go out there and, and do that. It, it, it just boggles the mind into that, uh, you know, people would do that. But I mean, there was thousands of people, um, you know, that were injured that day just because it was hot. It was in the eighties. Now I run year round. So if it's, if it's 90 degrees one day, I'm still running. So for me, it didn't, it didn't have that much of an effect on me um, because I was used to running in those different environments. But if you haven't been working out and you think, well, I'm just going to go jot and do 10 miles, you know, Ron Dawson brought up a good uh, thing when he talked about, it. he says, how can you run 26 miles? Have you ever walked 26 miles? Because you can't run 26 miles if you can't walk 26 miles. And I think for a lot of people, you know, it says, you know, if you can't, walk a mile can you run a mile that's what he was getting at you know for people just yeah. to work out you know uh it's important to know your body and know what you're doing but i, I just felt sad because some people were they were they were injured pretty pretty good um yeah you know, it's, uh, the heat, heat injuries are no joke um but you know you bring up a good point about you know people running a 10 miler and i think it, you have to look at every race distance every race distance is equal to every other race distance. So mm-hmm. I don't think a marathon is, uh, is anything special. It's just a specific, somewhat arbitrary distance, mm-hmm. you know, 42.2 kilometers, 26.2 miles. It's, yeah. It is pretty arbitrary, but you train for that distance. So your energy output is measured for that distance. Yeah. So if I'm running a 10 miler, I'm going to be running substantially faster than I would run a marathon. Yeah. But my effort output is still the same. I still want to start with a full tank of gas. And when I reach the finish, I want that tank to be empty. Yeah. So 
with that said, everyone's race is going to be, whether it's a, a one mile race or a marathon, you're going to be putting out a lot of effort. It's either going to be measured or it's not. Yeah. But as far as the, the heat training goes, running in the heat is just, it's never fun. It's not um, fun. No. And a lot of people fall into the trap of not adjusting their pace for the weather. Yeah. Because you're, your body just doesn't work. I mean, we're just like cars. Our cars run better when it's cool out. Mm-hmm. Our bodies run better when it's cool out. Yeah. And if you don't take in that into account and you start off at the pace that you think you're going to cover that distance, yeah. that 10 miles, well, you're going to get to mile eight and it's going to be, your heart rate is going to have been 20 beats higher than it ordinarily would have been yeah. if it was 30 degrees cooler. And you are just going to, your body's going to shut down, which is, sounds like exactly what happened when people are lying around Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would, it, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I'd never seen it. And then, um, the first year I ran it, it was uh 40 mile an hour wind and snowing when we started Ooh. the race. And then by the time it ended, it, it the, the sun had moved on and it was uh, 50 degrees outside. So now I'm a guy that runs in shorts and a t-shirt. It can be 25 degrees and I'm in, in shorts and t-shirt still. It's, it's just, and so it's kind of brutal to stand there and wait. Cause they start in waves, you know, yeah. to wait for your wave. I think I was wave five uh it's brutal to stand there and wait for your wave to start because you know you're just standing there in the wind and the cold and the the snow but it, it was fine i enjoyed it it was a lot of fun yeah it's i bet it was more comfortable than uh than the 80 degree day yes especially yeah. when you're running yeah yeah and 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 you know there you, you're running throughout the city and you know this well as i do you know you, you run in, inside cities and it's a lot hotter the air doesn't yeah. move around a lot um you know and if you you know for me you know it's humid in virginia all the time so i'm used to it so that doesn't you know bother me so much but you know i go out and do speaking events and i went out to fort orwin last year and did a speaking event there in the desert in california and something i didn't realize i was like yeah you know what it's not it wasn't hot outside it was in uh i think it was in the morning no it was late evening i'm just gonna go for a little short three mile run and i'm in the desert now i haven't ran in the desert since i was in iraq you know you know 0608 and so I took off. I didn't bring water with me or nothing. I took off running and I got about two miles from the hotel and I had to duck into another hotel, go in there and get water because I, I wasn't prepared for the heat and the, the, just to the dry. It dried out my whole nose and everything. I was like, well, that was. Oh, cool. yeah. And I, and I thought, well, I won't do that again. But in my speaking event, I'd thrown up on the board of where I, I ran and I, and I told that story that, you know, I, I, I wasn't prepared and I should have been. I at least should have taken a bottle of water with me. Um, yeah yeah and i didn't even think of it it's like that's only three miles you know it's no big deal you know no no big whoop you know and it it was it hit me i was surprised (laughs) yeah and if you're not used to it it'll it'll come back to bite you yeah you You know know, imagine if that hotel wasn't there i know right that would have been because i didn't bring money with me and i usually have money and put money in my my pants i didn't have my id card or nothing i was just gonna go out for a little jaunt uh and uh because i was you know riding on the plane i like to get out and move around after i fly on a plane for a little while across the country yeah. but uh yeah I was, I was kind of uh surprised by that you know one thing that you posted on instagram the other day and i want you to talk because you know when you start running you know it's important to have the right equipment right and a lot of people don't think about the right kind of socks to wear the moisture weakening socks the right kind of shorts you know and tennis shoes shoes are so important when you're running and so yeah, I think so mind, uh, to talk about that a little bit and the, the importance of, of, of getting the right shoe, the kind of shoe that, that you run in uh, and just kind of, you know, take us through that, you know, from a beginner runner to somebody that, that, that has been like you has been running for a long time. 
what do you look at in a shoe when you go and run? Because I know there's specific shoes that I like to run in, uh, and I and I stick with that model of shoe, and 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 until they don't have it anymore, and then I have to find a different shoe, and that's very frustrating, you know, when you're yeah. running one shoe and then the company doesn't make that shoe or that model anymore, and then you got to switch to another shoe. Uh, and then to go through that. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit, because I think that's really important because you to keep you from getting shin splints or you know having knee pain or ankle pain. I mean, shoes play a, an important role because you're I mean, because you're pounding on that pavement. Uh, you know, right. You know, you, you brought up a good a good point about wearing you you get used to something, you want to wear the same pair of shoes yeah. forever. Like you found what works, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah. But then every year the companies come out with another model of that same shoe and they make little tweaks and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel as good as it did the year before. So then people are looking around for that last year's model, you know, on the plus side, you get it for a lot cheaper, you know, but on the negative side of things, those shoes are going to be sold out more often than not. Uh, As far as shoes goes, yes, they're very important. And you will see me do, you'll see me running in a lot of different shoes it's a little different for me because I purposely go to different shoes because I want to review them on the YouTube channel. That's I want to have content to put on Instagram. And that's right. kind of what I've made my niche into. Yeah. So it's been a benefit for me in that way because I do get to try a lot of different shoes. Uh, however, you have to take all of the shoe tubers out there, all the people reviewing all these running shoes, take everything they say with a pinch of salt because when it comes down to it, our individual comfort is what matters most. Yeah, It's not one specific part of a shoe. It's not like the carbon fiber plate that you know, returns this much energy. Mm-hmm. Those shoes don't work for everyone, but you might find a nice daily trainer. So um, let's take uh, the Nike Pegasus or the Brooks Ghost. Those have been around for a long time. Those yeah. are Nike's and Brooks' biggest sellers, and they're not particularly exciting. Yeah. Right? They're, they're not particularly exciting, but they do what they do and they do what they do well. So if you wanted to have a shoe that, you know, is not overly exciting, it doesn't like, you're not going to see people, the, the world-class marathoners winning races in those shoes. But what you are going to do is have a lot of miles very comfortably. Yeah. So, and I don't mean to recommend the Nike Pegasus or the Brooks Ghost because everyone's going to be different and you might try something else, you know and find that that works for you. So that is the number one thing. It's finding what works for you over different runs. Yeah. Uh, now, once you've been running for a while, you might think, you know what? That shoe is just, it's a little heavy. I think if I can take off a couple ounces, I'm going to be able to run faster. Yeah. But that's more of a personal financial decision and how much you want to invest in your sport You know, by having those lighter shoes because you will run faster in lighter shoes. It's just physics. You're not moving as much weight with each step um but yeah when it when it comes down to it it's a very individual thing and you'll hear me saying talking about shoes and how much i like x over y yeah but you have to take that with a pinch of salt if you want to buy something that i recommend that's great but walk around in the house first if you have a if you buy it from a place that has a good return policy return it if it doesn't feel good because because i like something doesn't mean that you necessarily will And I think that's important for especially newer runners that might not have the experience. You know, they don't, I wouldn't recommend getting the, the shoe with all the latest technology and spending $200 on a pair of shoes yeah. when for $100, $120, you can get a pair of shoes that will last you for a very long time and they will be pretty good at doing everything. Yeah. 
And there's a lot to be said for, for a nice, dependable, but boring shoe. Yeah, that's what I wear. A nice depend. I don't. I, I just switched to a new brand. My brother tells me what brands to get. I'd have to go upstairs and grab it to see what it is. But um, it has a, the um, the carbon fiber through the middle of it. I don't know. It was like one hundred and eighty dollars, one hundred nine dollars. But generally, on my, my shoes, will generally last around four months before I have to get a new pair. Three to four months, depending on how much I run. Um, and I think you know, for a lot of people, when they go out running, they buy a pair of shoes. And then, you know, they don't realize when those shoes start wearing out that they need to go and get another pair. Because if you run a lot in your tennis shoes, they're going to wear out like anything. You know, everything always wears out. And I, yeah. and I really know that my, because I pronate a little bit uh, with my stride, right? So I'm working on the outside of my foot. So when I start getting pain in my heel, I know oh, yeah. my shoes are starting to get wore out and I need to go get another pair. And, and there was one time that I ignored that and I ran on them a, a, for another month just because I was being lazy and I yep. got shin splints so bad. Uh, I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I learned uh, my lesson. <laughs> it definitely happens. And it's, uh, it's better to be more proactive. And it's a, it's a tough thing, especially if you're buying $180 running shoes. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing to maybe buy a new pair of shoes after four months when you think, I, I think I could put this off for another month. Yeah. But you never know. You're taking, you're rolling the dice. Yeah. And it, it may come back to bite you. It may not. But I think it's I think it's best to replace our shoes sooner rather than later. Now, Cliff, let me ask you how how do you decide when your shoes have need to be replaced? Do you track the mileage? Is it just I, a feeling? I, track, I generally track the mileage. Now, uh, I I run between five and six days a week. Uh, I used to run on Sundays, but my wife she's still active duty Navy, so she's up in Rhode Island. So I'm here with my boys. So it's kind of hard for me to run on Sundays. Yeah. Um, but during the week, they're at school. Um, so yep. generally, you know, I'll run with Falco, we'll run three to four miles a day. Uh, if he's not with me, I'll run six miles, depending, um, the closer it gets to army 10 miler, then I'll throw in Sunday runs where I'll run 10 miles. So, so generally, yep. I, you know, I, I do between 12 and 20 miles a week. It varies. I, now I still do, I have my elliptical and my bike and I have a treadmill here at the house. Uh, on oh, Sunday, good. I, I do work out on that. So on Sundays, my workout generally is. I do the bike for 30 minutes. I do the elliptical for 30 minutes and I walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes. That's my Sunday workout because I can be here in the house. I have a very nice gym at my house and yeah. I can do that. And if the boys interrupt me, then it's, it's no big deal. Um, but generally, usually when I get around to the three month mark, the three and a half month mark, I really start looking at, you know, getting another, another pair of shoes. You know, they get about, you know, 300 miles on them, 400 miles on them. They're, they're getting pretty worn out. And I can tell by the soles because like I said, the outside of my soul starts wearing down yeah uh, on them just the way this way my stride is so yeah and, and it's probably that. it's a good a good indicator of when it's time to to get new shoes but i, I do like the new ones I, I wish i remember the name of them uh, i do like the the new running shoes i got because they they really do help help a lot um and it's just like you said it's it's you know i used to run on uh i think that it was the a6 3000 gt i ran on those for years okay. and they making them and it, it took me i think two different pairs of shoes till I finally found this one pair that I have now that I actually like running in. Uh, and so it can be quite frustrating, um, you know, when they don't make that model anymore and you can't get it. And like you said, they came out the new model and the new models changed. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, feel right or, or work right. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a frustrating thing because, you know, when we find what we like, it's only natural. We want to, we want to stick with it. Mm -hmm. It's like you're removing a barrier to a decision that you have to make during the day. 
and all of a sudden it's changed and now you have to look around and find a new shoe. It's, it's a real, it's a real pain in the butt. <laughs> um, but you know, hopefully whatever shoe you're running in now, it, it lasts a little while and you're able to, to just, if you think it's going to be retired, just load up, go on, go on those discount sites and just scoop them up as many as you can buy. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I, I should do that. Uh, if they're going to uh, get rid of mine soon, you know, um, you know, Matt, we talked about, you know, the importance of getting the right gear, you know, he, here's the thing for me. It's I'm, I have an issue finding the right kind of socks. I like, you know, I wear the, the dry lock socks to try to keep your feet as dry because, you know, obviously when you're running in warm weather, you're going to sweat a lot. Your feet are going to move around mm. inside those shoes. Uh, you know, and if you're not, um, ready for you can get blisters on them you can get hot spots on your feet do, do you try different pairs of socks as you're testing with shoes or do you find it or do you wear socks when you when you run I, or do you run with yes socks? I, I do and um let's see i'm trying to think how long it's been since i've been wearing running specific socks it's probably been 10 years yeah but i remember that i would just wear sports socks before i went to running specific socks yeah. and i thought that's fine. You know, who, who wants to spend $10 on a pair of socks? Yeah. Well, I, I can answer that. I want to spend on $10 on a pair of socks yeah. because it is amazing how much better it feels in your shoe when you have the right pair of socks. Yeah. And I, I completely understand people rolling their eyes saying, oh, that's so ridiculous, you know, because some of these running socks get up to fifteen, sixteen, seventeen $16, $17. Yeah, I think and I yes, $20 for three pair, I think for mine or something, or two pair. But it's worth every penny because okay. they are made from materials that are not going to promote uh, chafing, which is going to stop blisters. They have they have padding in the right areas, so under the ball of your foot, under the heel of your foot, and then it, there's going to be arch support built in. It's just everything about specific running socks. I'm just I'm all for it. You know, and I've been running. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I've been running with um, Swiftwick socks. Swiftly. Mostly for the last couple of years. Those have been the brand that I've been, uh, you know, mostly going to. And I just, I just really like everything about them as well as I think they look pretty cool. Some of my, some of my running videos, when I have the camera down by my feet, the socks are also part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the socks are pretty, uh, pretty fun to look at. So yeah. it's form as well as function. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to, for you to do a video. You'll have to wait for a cool day and you're wearing that t-shirt you got on there while you're running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, it's, run too be far, it's not, it's not moisture wicking like, you know, a, a normal yeah. shirt. <laughs> I will definitely, I would definitely wear this out on a run, but it's probably going to be six months. Our temperatures aren't going to get below 70 degrees and hundred percent humidity for at least six months now. Yeah. So, so you, that's why you run at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes. I, it's funny. I live in Florida, but I steer clear of the sun as much as possible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's my preference to run before sunrise. Now, on my days off, like this morning, I was able to time it a little better, and as I was able to go out, and I was out at sunrise because I can't take videos. I can't take my running videos when it's dark out. Yeah, it just yeah. just doesn't come out as well. You can't so get your wife to hold the lights for you while you're running to do the video. And that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? just uh, drive behind me. I'll set up a rig on the car and just <laughs> shine lights. Yeah, if I had an, yeah, if I had enough time or the inclination to build a rig like that, maybe I would. But yeah. I'll use the sun for now. Now there you go. Yeah, it's cheaper that way. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, Matt, I want to, I'm going to wrap it up here, but I want to, I want to thank you for coming on my show. We want to make sure that we uh, flash up your YouTube page and your Instagram, uh, you know, uh, cause I, you, the videos you do and just to watch it, it's very fun. People enjoy them. And um, you know, I just want to thank you again for coming on my show and, you know, is there any advice or, you know, that you want to give the audience as we, as we close out here, as they start running, or maybe they're, they're a marathoner and they're trying to get faster or whatever they want to do. You know, I post my runs, but I never post my time because I don't keep track of my time. I run for distance, you know? So yeah. if I put my goal in my mind that I'm going to run for three miles that day, I run for three miles. If I were going to run for six miles, I run for six miles. So to me, time, time doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, yeah. And that's why I never post my times because it doesn't mean anything. Now, I know for Boston marathons and for other marathons, you have to have posted times because they don't want somebody taking six hours to, you know, to run the race. And so, you know, time does become important, but, you know, for those people out there and not so much the beginners, but let's say you get the intermediate runners like you, what advice would you have for them just to kind of get them to maybe go a little faster, maybe get to that next level they're trying to get to that they haven't been able to. Well, it's, uh, it all comes down to structuring, but, more than that, and this is what I thought about before I came on the podcast, I was like, yeah, you know, there is, there is something I'd like to mention. And this is more for new runners, because if you've been running for a little while, you probably realize this. But um, I've got to say that I don't enjoy every single run I go out on, right? I, I go out and it isn't feeling good. Uh, but you know what? I've got to have that discipline in order to meet my goals. So... I also know that if it doesn't feel good in the beginning, it is probably going to start to feel better as I start to warm up. Yeah. And I think that is, that is what running, running well and well is an individual thing. I think that what, that's what running well is all about. It's having that discipline to go out, even if you might not feel like it, because you've probably heard it a thousand times. I know I've said it and every other person out there that talks about running mm -hmm. says that consistency is the secret source of running. Yeah. You have to do it on a regular basis and you will get better. And that means sometimes going out when you don't feel like it and kind of pushing through. So I, even this morning's run, I went out and I ran a little over 10 miles, very easy. Mm -hmm. And it just, it didn't feel good. Like the whole run, I was like, yeah, it's just a little bit of a slog. And it was probably just an attitude because my heart rate was still low. Um, and I had a lot of other stuff to do i knew i had several youtube videos that i needed to film today it's my only day off for the next like week and a half so there was a lot of that stress but i knew that it really didn't matter how i felt because i'm working towards a goal i'm working Matt, you bring up a good point you know some days you can run and 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 have the best run ever and some days it's a struggle and you know i was a personal trainer for a lot of years in the gym and um you know one thing i used to always tell people just come into the gym. Don't worry about losing weight. Don't worry about what exercise you're going to do. Just come every day for the first, you know, three days a week or however, yeah. whatever, whatever the goals was working out and as a personal trainer. And I, and I helped them and I said, just, just come and do it. You know, just go walk for 10 minutes a day or go walk for 15 minutes or just go get up and go do something, especially on those days where you're not feeling you know, here on Mental Health Warrior, we talk a lot about PTSD and triggers and things like that. 
And yeah. just changing your mindset and going out and doing something different uh, really can have a huge impact on you and the day. And I'm sure, like you were talking about this morning, you had a lot to do. You got the, you know, you're coming on my podcast to film and you got your YouTube videos to do and all these postings. And you really wasn't feeling your run in the beginning. And But as you as that goes on, and I know this for me, um, as my run goes on and I kind of, you know, get those endorphins flowing and, and whatever, um, I do start feeling better and, and it kind of really changes uh, my mindset. Well, hey, Mental Health Warriors, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I want to thank Matt for taking time out of his busy schedule. Um, you will see all of Matt's uh, um, uh, social media accounts and check out his YouTube page and be sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube page. Um, and I appreciate everybody tuning in. Also, I would like for you to go out and like and subscribe to the Veterans Trash Talk. Uh, network we have all of our podcasts out there you can go out there and get your neat uh, veteran trash talk t-shirts like i have on and matt has on uh and really go out there and support the cars and support veterans uh, and with that everybody you guys have a great week and thanks thank you for tuning in take care mm-hmm.